Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to the Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community. And more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. March 8th is International Women's Day, and this year's theme is Choose to Challenge. Leading up to this month-long celebration of women, this episode welcomes Mira Awad, who fully embodies this year's theme. Some people, when they meet me, they say, you're so brave. There were really times in my life where my gut told me exactly the opposite of what everyone else was telling me. Mira is a singer, songwriter, show creator, content creator, and actress. I was born and raised in a Palestinian village in the north of Israel. So as a child, I noticed, I noticed the double standard, how uh, boys were treated and how girls were treated. Born in Reme, Israel, and raised in a Palestinian village by her Arab Christian father and Bulgarian mother. I grew up in this very socially aware home. Here I am in Haifa City, expecting to find my freedom, right? As a woman, like here, nobody's going to care about my gender and nobody's going to limit me because of my gender. But then again, I discovered something else. I discovered that I am an Arab in the Jewish state, (laughs) right? So this A whole new aspect of my identity suddenly took focus. After walking a tight rope of identities throughout her childhood and young adulthood, Mira embarked on a journey to challenge stereotypes and public judgment and understand her true self. With all the threats and all the media attacks, I'm very proud of our performance in the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, we did not win. And when I cry, I cry for both of us. My pain has no name. <laughs> Hello, Mira. How are you? It was so lovely to meet you a couple of years ago when my colleague and I were in Israel. But of course, so much has changed since then. Yeah, yeah. We're currently in lockdown here and I'm talking to you from my closet in my house. How have you been over there? Well, we are not in lockdown at this moment, although they're thinking of getting the lockdown back because it's a holiday uh, weekend now and they don't want people to have parties. And so uh, I guess we're all globally, like mostly on the same page. (laughs) Oh, yes. But yeah, I was thinking how different this reality is from when we met in Tel Aviv. We went out for dinner. Um, we were we were like boasting about the the amazing culinary world in in Tel Aviv, and then I took you on to a concert of friends of mine. That was happening back then. There were concerts, remember? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And then at some point, just the world as I know it got canceled. <laughs> oh my god, I know this is crazy, and especially for you as a performer. I mean, it's been a hard year. I mean, yes, it's it's been a, it, I don't want to say a hard year. I want to say a challenging year. 
um it's been very strange at 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 a lot of moments because as i as i just said like the world as i knew it just stopped just was completely canceled i was an international um artist you know traveling performing all of that just stopped mm-hmm. in the beginning i have to admit that i was like oh wow i get to have a vacation <laughs> me too <laughs> Yes, I was like sitting at home. I miss my home. I always miss my home because I used to travel so much. So I was like, I don't mind this. Good, you know, sitting at home. After a while, I started to worry like, okay, this is getting old. And now, okay, what am I going to do, you know, as a living? Um, So that started coming in and then the worry and then the world really got into more and more lockdowns and then more fatalities and more people sick. And and of course, we got the magnitude of everything. And um, but I have to say that, of course, it's 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 a year of a crash. Okay, like everything crashed. My career crashed. Everything stopped. But I I am finding good things in that Mm -hmm. Um, things are emerging things that I've always wanted to do but never could. So I started doing them this year. And um, so I can't say it's all bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing and good for you. How have you been adapting and maybe pivoting? So for those who don't know me, like just a little maybe background. So I am a singer, songwriter, actress. I am also a content creator. I mean, you met me as a content creator because I had just created this TV series, this TV drama. So, of course, now all of that changed. I mean, I'm doing all kinds of online performances, but that's not the same. It's not the same routine. It's not the same life. So this year, I took upon myself to be the artistic director of a theater school in the desert here in Israel. Wow. Which is something, and 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 I have to say, I love it. I love it, and I enjoy it very much because I have brought my own vision of teaching to this school, which is a which is a much more multidisciplinary kind of, of vision mm-hmm. uh, for actors. So it's not only acting; it's also a physical work and dance and music, and uh, and and creativity. We do a lot of creativity work. We work on their creativity. So they're not only actors; they are creators. Right. Um, so they write, they paint, they, they do all kinds of things. This is so cool. I remember seeing this on your Instagram and yes. saying, I wish I was on your side of the world so I could participate in this life-changing experience. Well, I would want to believe that it is. <laughs> I mean, now we can go back to doing these workshops. And that workshop that you saw on my Instagram is for uh, for singers, actually. Vocal training and stage performance, right. which is another thing that I really enjoy teaching. I am also somehow this year, because I was sitting around doing nothing and I have other music musician friends, so I, so I just went ahead and, and you know, and, and made video clips for them so somehow i was out there with my camera directing and and shooting and then editing and this is something that i started doing and then i I suddenly look at myself and like it's staring me in the face that i had become a a, a production company without even thinking that i am one how cool is is that another thing that i'm doing and i just finished doing four more music videos and i love this i love it i love it um, so yeah, so it's like it's finding these things that were always there, but suddenly there was a shift, and I'm doing these things more and other things less. 
So I'm still creating like crazy, which is good because mm-hmm. I need that for my soul, you know? Yes, yes, yes. We all <laughs> um, do. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I love what's happening. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. I would love to start right at the beginning of your life. You have a very interesting life and path. You're an Arab-Israeli, your father is Palestinian, and your mother is Bulgarian. What was your childhood like? (laughs) Well, in a nutshell, um, like you said, it's multicultural. So bilingual by birth, um, trilingual by state, because, you know, also Hebrew is part of my my life because we live in Israel. Um, So... So yeah, of course, it has this this multicultural, uh, universal, global feel to it. I, I I was born and raised in a Palestinian village in the north of Israel, but my home was mixed, and 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 every summer we would travel to Bulgaria to my family. Music wise, of course, everything was going on in my house. I, also, my, my I have to say that my parents were always in politically involved socially involved right. people my father is a doc is i mean was a doctor now he's uh, retired but he was a doctor who established um an association for um, you know for an organization for free services in in the galilee free medical services so he was a very 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 active uh, activist kind of a person my mother worked with women and uh, regarding women's rights, she worked with battered women, women who had suffered uh, violence. So I grew up in this very socially aware home mm-hmm. where you stood up for 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 people, uh, where you searched for uh, justice for everyone, anyone who is suffering, uh, everyone who is. Uh, underprivileged you know you stood up for these people because we are all humans and we are all equal so these are like these are um, um, uh, principles that I really drank in my childhood right from from my parents and it shows I guess yes, it does it, really <laughs> it shows does. in my work today now I have to add to that that growing up in an Arab village I mean my village is beautiful and it's very very modern Mm -hmm. it's not religious in a very you know noticeable way but still still it's an arab community and i think you know a little bit about arab community and and it's a bit more uh preserved it's more um conservative even though it was a very liberal kind of a village and not so mm. uh, religious. Yes, yes, I have to say that it's a, it's a conservative kind of society. Yeah. Um, and when we think back, when I grew up there, this is like more than thirty years ago. So as a child, um, I noticed, I noticed the duality, the double yeah. standard, how uh, boys were treated and how girls were treated, and right. what the expectations are from boys and from girls, and they are so different, right? So boys were encouraged to go out and play and climb trees and and girls were advised to cross their legs and learn how to, I don't know, knit. Okay, so and I think my refusal for that double standard started really early in life. I cannot tell you why. (laughs) Probably the influence of the fact that my parents are a mixed couple. I have seen other people, how they live, you know, I've been outside of the village, so I've I've seen other lives and I've seen what is possible for women out there. Maybe it had an effect. 
but it was clear to me that this is not how I want to lead my life. And from an early age, I was I was writing these songs about women's rights, right? Right. And about violence against women, and about um, about the sky uh, not being the limits uh, for my dreams, and and me demanding that open sky for myself, and and refusing to have bars being put on on it. And um, so when I was eighteen. I made sure that I was leaving the village, of course, because I said, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to study. I'm going to be, you know, out there in, uh, you know, in a big city. A big city for me back then was Haifa, right? right. Which is not such a big city, but it was quite a big city for me. Yeah, it had Arabs in it. It was a mixed city, so it was a, a nice transition, not so mm-hmm. extreme. But then again, uh, here I am in Haifa City expecting to find my freedom, right? As a woman, like here, nobody's gonna care about my gender and nobody's gonna limit me because of my gender. And of course not, it's it's a big city. Nobody cares what I'm dressing, how I'm laughing, uh, how I'm sitting, who I'm going out with. But then again, I discovered something else. I discovered that I am an Arab in the Jewish state. Right. (laughs) Right? Right? So this, a whole new aspect of my identity suddenly took focus, something that I really did not think about before because I had lived with people who are exactly like me. I was not different in that way. And suddenly outside in the general Israeli population, I was different in that way, being an Arab. So then this story was added on to my art, to my you know agendas, finding out about, you know, talking about identities, about narratives, about equality, about just sharing the space, being here together, all these ideas. Wow. Where do you think your fascination with identity started? Is there a moment that you remember from when you were just a child that you questioned this for the first time? The thing is about identity. We we here in our region, in our country, we are kind of obsessed about identity. But the thing is about identity is that I don't think the struggle comes from within us. When I wake up in the morning or when I woke up in the morning as a kid, I never thought of myself as Palestinian or Arab or Israeli. These names had nothing to do with me. I was a kid, you know, (laughs) I I, I wanted to go on sleeping. (laughs) That's the only thing I could think about. And then as a mature woman, I mean, today, when I wake up in the morning, the first thought in my head is not, I am Palestinian, Israeli woman, you know, artist. No, I'm just a human being who needs to brush her teeth. Right. I think that we are so obsessed with identity and it comes, it's, it's something that this, your surrounding just needs to, to put you in some catalog. So are you Arab Israeli? Are you Israeli first? Are you Palestinian first? What is What comes first? What comes next? Uh, are you Christian? Do you, do you self-define yourself as Christian or or uh, you know atheist or and like people really really care about these things They're like obsessed about putting you in some box that they can understand mm-hmm. because then they can start assuming things about you right because if you don't fit in a box then what am I supposed to be thinking about you I don't know what to think about you I need you in a box in order to start assuming stuff and when you refuse to go into a box people are confused okay, what am I supposed to know about you right now? Because 
and then I ask him like, okay, what if I tell you like one, two, three, okay, I am Palestinian Israeli atheist, okay? Does that tell you anything about my sense of humor? Does that tell you anything about what I think about global warming? Like seriously, what does it tell you about me? Nothing, not really. Like some geographically, um, politically, like some information, but not really as a person. So as you can see, it's, yeah, it's, so it's, for me, it's fascinating. The, the, the whole thing of identity is fascinating for me. Of course, I care about my identity. Of course, I, am, I, I feel affiliated to these places that I come from, to these identities that I come from, the languages that I speak. Uh, I have a warm spot in my heart for the languages that I grew up with. Um, of course, we all are like that. We everything that we grew up with is, is it has a warm spot in our in our hearts. But am I willing to 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 zoom in on that and not see anybody else? Now that's a different question. I think people are divided into into two kinds. You know, one kind wants to zoom in and in and in and in more and more. You know, into their own identity. Like it's not enough that I'm Arab. I am. Arab Christian and it's not enough that I'm Christian I'm a Christian Catholic or Orthodox or whatever it is and I'm a Christian Orthodox from that church and not that church or there are a second kind of people who believe in expanding identities I, I think I fit in there where every person I meet every culture that I get to know every language that I learn just expands makes me bigger um, uh, makes me wiser and and smarter and more humble mm -hmm. and a better person. Yeah, and I think I belong to that kind to that <laughs> second I, part. <laughs> I think so too, Mira. Through your music, you provide people with a safe place to be just who they are. You have so much compassion, but you might not have always been treated that way by others. I recently saw in your TED Talk that you talk about transitions for you as an Arab Israeli and maybe not being accepted and faced rejection. I remember right. specifically <laughs> one example about an apartment. Can you tell us about that? What happened there? Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, in hindsight, everything is different, right? I'm much older today. But yeah, it's very important to remember these stories because when I was 20-ish, Right, I was much younger and less, less evolved, less um, composed as the person that I am today. Right, I still needed to fit in. I still needed to prove myself to others. Uh, I still was afraid of being, you know, uh, spat out of society or or of a community. So I, I was still trying to guard my place, and it was really, really involved a lot of fear when you don't fit in this is like a survival mode thing when you feel that you don't fit in a community in the community that is around you that's that totally puts you in a survival mode so so yes when i left my village it's, it's just a small example because it's so vivid so i go in uh, to, to to rent this apartment and you know i will look i don't look like the stereotypical arab woman and my name is Mira, which is like kind of safe zone. It's, it doesn't sound typically Arab. 
So I go in and this real estate agent is nice and I like the apartment. I say, yeah, I'm going to take it. And he can't believe his luck. He's like, you know, this amazing young student. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he opens, you know, the papers and yeah, yeah, let's sign this kind of contract. It's not, it's not the real contract. It's just a contract that you're like closing the deal. And uh, he asks, yeah, what's the name? I say, Mira. Okay, great. He puts Mira. What's the family name? And I say, Awad. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Wow. <laughs> it's like the room froze. froze. <laughs> this guy suddenly is stuttering. He doesn't know what to say. And it, and it, it really, it went in very, in, in very, in very directions. So one of these guys told me like, you know, I think maybe the landlord had somebody else in mind. I should ask him before I give you the apartment. Another guy said something else. Yeah. You know, when it happens once, fine. Yeah. Maybe really the landlord had somebody else in mind. Happens twice, fine. Coincidence, three times. Four. But when it starts to happen more and more, you understand there's a pattern. You there. knew exactly you what st- he was doing. I, and you start to suspect. But I have to say that one time this really... This real estate just told me in my face that the landlord landlord told him specifically no Arabs. And that was a wake up call for me. I was like, I was kind of suspecting it, but I, I couldn't believe that the world was that blunt until I was told bluntly that the world. Yeah, yeah, little girl. Yeah, the world is this blunt. They don't want you because you are Arab. So I, I have to say that I still remember the, the physical feeling I felt filthy i'll never forget it it's it's a feeling of shame it's shame you feel filthy like you've done something wrong now i again i have to remind you this would not happen to me today i would not feel filthy or ashamed or anything today i would kind of i would probably sue him but i was i was young yeah. and and really just in the beginning of my life outside of my you know my little community outside of my village and i was shocked and i felt so ashamed and and cornered and i felt physically filthy i felt like my skin was crawling right and i think i was i i got obsessed with that feeling of being different or treated differently since that moment like really like i had to treat it within myself and then with time i wanted to treat it with others let's treat that moment when you are excluded in such a blunt way you are being told you do not fit in here you are not welcomed to fit in here how are you feeling about it and how would you feel if that was you that person that said that, how would you feel if that was you? And I want to put you in the shoes of somebody who felt that for a moment. And and I think these moments just stayed with me. And I really wanted to, to do something about it. I wanted to change the world. Now, <laughs> of course, I have not changed the world. But I still strive to open little windows, you know, between people, between communities. I hang on to that. I hang on to that. Yeah, I I, I try to hang on to because really changing the world. <laughs> I think I gave that up a few years ago. I understood that <laughs> I, I'm not going to change the world. No, you are. You're doing incredible things and you inspire many people who go on to create impact. So you're doing more than you think. I don't know. You know, the world is quite mighty. And we've always been like this. The human race has always been like this. So Mira Awad is not going to be able to change that history of DNA overnight <laughs> or over a lifetime. Yeah. But 
but I do believe in the little drops, you know, of change, the little puddles. I call them little puddles of change. Uh, because if they didn't exist, then if these little puddles didn't exist, then we would be living in a great, great desert. So we do need these little drops and the puddles. Little drops of hope. Yeah. Yes. Little puddles of hope. Yeah. Yes, we definitely need that. Not to get too political here, but for those listening who might not know too much about this, what is the basis of the conflict with Palestinians in Israel? What do you mean just not to get too political? Uh, everything is political. People, okay, get thank political. You. Thank you. Get very political because everything yeah. is fucking political. Yeah. The water you is. are drinking is political. The air that you're breathing is political. Everything in the world is political. So please get fucking political already. <laughs> really. Otherwise, we're heading like in a bad direction where we're thinking, we're assuming or... We want to believe like we're in this illusion that we're going to save the world by not being political and just loving our each other and, and be and hugging trees. No, I'm not a historian. Right. This isn't my my intake on this. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I shouldn't be the one presenting or representing the history of this region. But the, the, the short story is in 48, uh, a wonderful state was established here for the Jewish people, which was important to do. However, the establishment of that state kind of mm, pushed aside other people who were already living here. And that's the beginning of the this struggle that we have here, the conflict called the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, if that was your question. <laughs> yes, you just have an amazing and unique perspective because of your heritage, so thank you very much. You have also competed in Eurovision in 2005 and I believe again in 2009. Did you receive mm -hmm. any pushback when you joined Team Israel? If you're okay to talk about it with me, how were you embraced? If there's one thing I learned about the world or about life is just embrace whatever you are. There's no point of running away from corners of your life or story. This is my story and I'm proud of it. Um, in 2005, I was in the pre-Eurovision contest, so I didn't get to the actual uh, Eurovision. Uh, I would say that in the pre-Eurovision contest here in Israel, I got the last place because two days before, there was an article in the newspapers saying that I had, I had trashed or spoken ill of the Israeli anthem and flag. So it was like a total miss um, quote from what I had said. I had said something about the anthem and the flag. I had said that they don't include me, but I had not shamed or, or talked uh, without respect about the Israeli symbols. But I just said that they don't include me since the anthem doesn't. The anthem only talks about Jewish people and the flag only has the Jewish star. You know, So we are not really included in these symbols. So anyway, it was misquoted and, and people, <laughs> there was a big, big pushback about that. Who is she to talk about our symbols? She does not respect the country. She does not respect, maybe probably she wants us being thrown in the sea, whatever. People uh, got really mad about that. I got last place. <laughs> anyway, in 2009, I came back from the back door. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because my friend, uh, an Israeli, very famous singer here, Achinoam Nini, she's known in the world as Noah. 
she was offered to represent Israel in the Eurovision. And we had been working together for nine years by then, wow. uh, collaborating. I mean, we each have our own career, but yeah. we had been collaborating for many years, you know, with the same message of, of collaboration, of, of um, uh, solidarity, human solidarity and coexistence. Oh my and goodness, I, so fun. So she talked to me and said, Mira, I would do this only if you come along if we do it together i i would do it if not this is not interesting i bet me. you had yeah. so many thoughts running yes. through your head when she asked you that well my first thought was i asked Khinoam, are you sure you know what your revision is because yeah. it's a great, it's nothing like you've ever done before it's this crazy town um because it's it's a pop contest it's a whole a different world from everything that we've done together and anyway you're like we're all in we, this is happening we, we passed that what that point um, it was obvious that we would want to take advantage of the big, this big, big, big platform uh, for our message. Yeah. And I said, yes, let's do it, sister. Yep, let's do it. And we agreed. We we, we went for it. Mm-hmm. However, little did we know that in a couple of months after we agreed, Castled would start, which is uh, the IDF, uh, the Israeli army operation on Gaza in 2009. Thousands of people died. Gaza looked like a big ruin and we were watching these images on TV. My heart was broken, shattered to pieces. And of course, as you can expect, I was put in a very, 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 very difficult spot of my own camp, you know, leftist, liberal Israelis and Palestinians uh, demanding that I would step down because uh, how can I represent the country that's killing my own people right now? Um, so I was uh, under a lot of pressure from my own camp, wow. <laughs> which is, you know, um, from the left wing, liberal, you know. <laughs> um, how can I, and of course I was thinking the same, how can I now go and represent Israel when these little, you know, little kids in Gaza are being carried on, you know, and on, on stretchers all over the news? Wow. It was, a, it was a huge, big, really, really difficult time. And I have to say, like, I haven't spoken about this too many times, but I have to say that I was contemplating stepping down until, ta da 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 until these friends of mine issued a petition in the internet asking me to step down. And then it had become right. not my choice to step down, but it had become being pressured by these people to step down. And maybe I'm a stubborn person. I don't know. I would not go that way. I will not step down because you are frightening me. You're threatening me and you're frightening me. And you're there were threatening to, to, you know, to boycott my concerts, to boycott my uh, everything. My parents were, were freaking out. Like, why would you need this? You know, this is going to mm-hmm. injure your uh, career. This is going to hurt you. Maybe there are crazy people going to wait for you outside your home and kill you. We don't know what's going on. I don't know. This can get violent. But I, I think I'm stubborn. And I said, okay, they didn't leave me a choice. If it had been my choice, maybe I would step down and that would be my message. But now I, it's not a, it's not a message. I'm going ahead with this and I'm going to say my message on stage in Moscow in the Eurovision. And that's what I did together with Noah. Uh, we wrote a song that was not lovey-dovey, peace, tree-hugging. It was called There Must Be Another Way. And it spoke about the pain of both, both uh, 
people, both communities, and, and about the urgency with which we need to find a different way to live together in this little piece of land. So we used that platform in the way that we understood best. As you should be. And with all the threats and all the bullshit that was going right. on, and all really the shit show that, that really happened here and the attacks, Aww. the media attacks, I'm very proud, very, very extremely proud of our performance mm-hmm. in the Eurovision Song Contest. As you absolutely should be. Of course, we did not win. <laughs> I was like astonished that we got it. We got to the finals because really, we 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 just took it where we could, and uh, I'm very proud of that entry and the message that we could bring in that really difficult time. I wonder if you would sing a little bit of "There Must Be Another Way." And when I cry, I cry for both of us. My pain has no name. And when I cry, I cry to the merciless sky and say, there must be another way. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I closed my eyes and I teared up a little. That was beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Mira, how have you stayed true to who you are through all of it? Uh, You know, some people, when they meet me, they say, you're so brave. You are. And I look at them and I say, or stupid. No. Because there were really times in my life where my gut told me exactly the opposite of what everyone else was telling me. Yeah, I mean, how stupid you have to be to think you're still right. And, And I still couldn't do it. I just couldn't I, because something inside me told me, no, no, that's not what I want to do. Or that's not how I understand this. Or that's not what my conclusion of what happened is. And I insisted on whatever it is that I was thinking or feeling or seeing or concluding. Um, so I don't know to tell you what it is i just know that it is if i'm doing something i'm standing in front of a situation and i have this bugging feeling about it hell no i'm gonna listen to my to my gut you know i know it's right and i'm gonna regret it that if i didn't i'm always right i know this is right for me for me right it has doesn't have to be right for everybody it's right for me i i cannot i just cannot otherwise i'm gonna I feel like I'm going to throw up or, yes. I don't know, be sick or something. It's something physical, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you have said, and I'm going to quote you, when you let go of the need to please and when you take the leap of faith toward mm. yourself, you do not fall. This is so beautiful. How do you find the strength to be so bold? Well, yeah, because, I mean, they try to scare you into standing in line, into standing in line with everyone else. They try to scare you of the outcomes. If you're too different, nobody's going to marry you. Whatever it is, right? It can be something silly or it can be something. Or if you're too different, then kids are not going to speak to you in in the break, right? They're going to ban you. And these are scary things for kids. These are scary things. I mean, if if you're boycotted in school, that's that's no, really, that's not a nice place to be in. Or if you live in an Arab village and people think you're unmarriable, that is really bad. 
as well. That is really bad place to be in. You've been to Arab villages. You know how it is. Like all my life, these influences of 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 people trying to convince me to you know to just put my head down and walk with everybody else and. And for many years, I tried. I really tried to please, to be nice with everyone, to to please them. To the, to the extent that I felt that I was, I was. I mean, I, I couldn't. You can't walk straight that way because these are hitting you from here. So you're trying to, you know, please them. These guys are hitting you from that side and trying to please them. And you're not going anywhere. You're just trying to keep a balance. And you're not advancing, which is the most important thing. It's not by mistake that I used, you know, the acrobat um, metaphor, because the the one thing that they tell you when you want to keep your balance is don't look down. Yep, just keep looking forward. Don't look down. Don't look here. Look there, far away. Look far away. When they teach you how to ride your bike, the first thing they tell you, don't look at the wheel. Yep. You yep. fall. <laughs> yep. You have to look into the road. You have to look ahead yep. to the road. If you keep the road in your eyesight, then you finally your body will find the balance. And, and that's the technique I use. I just look ahead. Because right now, maybe there's a shit storm happening. Yes. People are screaming. They're not happy with me. They are totally unpleased. But if I raise my eyesight and I look forward, to the places, to the goals that I have set for myself as a human being, which are all kinds of goals, okay? And I ask myself, okay, Mira, this decision right now, is this one that's going to take you closer there? And this is when I know what I have to do. Wow. Because all this noise around me, fine, but... I need to go forward towards my own goals. Words to live by. You're leading the charge of human empowerment. We see it in your actions. We can hear it right now in this interview (laughs) (laughs) and the way you live your life. What does it mean to you to have this platform and to be a global figure who inspires women and girls? Wow. Uh, I mean, you're touching on something something sensitive because I want to share this because in my um, like initial built, I'm not built as a public figure. I am actually a shy person and a very private person. So, and at a moment in my life, I understood that this does not really go well with <laughs> yeah. a career of a performer, right? No, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> that at that at some point, I had to like give yeah. up some privacy in order yeah. to get some more influence. Right. Yes. And this has been a negotiation going on in my head and my heart, like throughout all my career. I have struggled with this. This has never gone away. I am always in this negotiation. How much space do I give from my privacy in order to give influence? Now, I have to tell you what helped me to give up some privacy in order to get influence is the fact that I have these goals. I want to try and open windows between people and between communities. And in order to do that, I need to be influential. And in order to be influential, I need to give up a little bit of privacy. Right. But this is an ongoing struggle. I know. Because for me, I would shut down every online media platform right now. Right? (laughs) This is, I would do it. I would, I would not open Instagram anymore in my life right now if I could. 
but I know that I need to be out there. Yeah. Well, I think people also want to hear your message and be close to it. Mira, what would you say to someone listening who might be struggling with understanding or accepting their identity? First of all, I would hug them probably. Um, because again, I want to remind us that their struggle, if they think hard, they will realize that the reason they're struggling is not because of them. It's because of somebody else who pointed out their identity as something problematic. Whether you're gay or black or Arab or Asian or whatever, probably somebody pointed at you and said that's not okay for some reason. Because yeah. otherwise, why would you have a struggle with your identity? Yep. So think about that. And who are they to point out and make me struggle with my identity? Yeah. Why do I empower them in such a way? Right. Fuck them. Sorry for the language. <laughs> language encouraged. Take the power back from those people who had made your identity a problem. Because it's not. Wow. Very empowering, very important, very powerful. Thank you. Mira, I'm going to ask you another advice question. You have reached a high level of success. What advice do you have for all the dreamers out there? Wow. Um, first of all, what is success? Is it financial? Is it influential? Is it what you feel about what you've done? Because these are three different things to consider because I cannot give advice about financial success. Okay. <laughs> Cause I have not done that, but, um, I can give a lot of advice about feeling good about what you've done with your career. Yeah. And that is listening to your own voice. Always, always listen to that chatter in your gut. Uh, if you feel like yeah. you're going to throw up, probably you're in the wrong room with the wrong people. Yes. Run, get out <laughs> and do something else with other people that's as as simple as as it can get um because i think my career you call it successful i mean some people would call it something else i'm happy with what i've done till now i still have a lot in store uh, artistically speaking and a lot of departments that i'm interested in like i, I i'm dreaming of, of producing more tv content for example more tv series it's, it's, it's hard work and it's gonna take a long time but i have the patience for it even when i look at all the things that i've done i always want more absolutely i always want to get more and more and and, and have more influence and do better things and artistically excel and yeah absolutely and all that stuff you know mira Okay, who inspires you? You know, you know, it's 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 amazing, but um, humankind is the thing that brings me the most sadness in the world, and that's when I see how people can harm each other and how they can be unjust and how they can be uh, discriminative and racist and 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 cause harm to each other. On the other hand, humankind is the thing that inspires me most. And that's when people are good to each other and empowering each other and helping each other and the environment. And then they are so inspiring. I could see these things on Instagram, just a person taking care of a little turtle that got cut, got cut up in something. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's 
what we're supposed to be about. And that is inspiring. It's so little and so small. That's inspiring. It brings me to tears. So humankind can be shitty, but it can be the most (laughs) inspiring thing ever. It can be a very beautiful thing. We need more of that. Mira, what are you working on now and how can we all get involved? Ooh, yeah. So first of all, I'm still releasing music, believe it or not. I know this is not really a year to release music because usually you release music in order to get concerts in and this is not the equation anymore. But anyway, I am releasing music. So I'm out there, people. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Music. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, I am on it. Amazing. And my music is there. My videos are there. I'm producing my own videos, which is more of an artistic saying nowadays because I want to bring also the visual to tell you how I feel about things so this is like and I have an online store where it's not really for profit it's for the message uh, I don't know if you know about my online store it's called mitra at me eh, mitra by mira.com and what I do there is bring these you know positive messages out I'm sick and tired of the negative messaging in the world and I want us to wear positive messages. So it's not for profit, really. I don't get money from this. Um, It's out there in order for us to wear all kinds of positive messages. There's this design that I did from the word Shalom Salam, peace, meaning peace, where you can read it both in Arabic and Hebrew. So if if you're a Hebrew reader, and this is my design, because I'm a designer among everything else. Um, so this is you, if you're a Hebrew reader, you can see Shalom. If you're an Arabic reader, you see Salam. And, uh, so this is, this started out the whole online store, but there are other things there. And uh, I'm a production company right now. So I want to produce more and more videos for other musicians and other artists. And these are the things that I'm doing. And I want to create more content for TV, uh, following my TV series, Muna. I want to, to create more stuff like that in order to bring more stories of that sort about women, yes. about uh, Palestinian identities, about living together in one small country, wow. <laughs> all these things that I care about. Well, thank you so much, Mira, for joining me here on the Millie Podcast. Thank you. And I, I hope to be seeing you sooner than later, you know, when this crazy Oh my God, you ends. have no idea. I cannot <laughs> wait to see you. Truly, thank you so, so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for this fun and passionate talk with Mira Awad. Well, we love Mitra by Mira, and I encourage all of our listeners to visit Mira's online shop by visiting mitrabymira.com and also check out Mira's TED Talk available online. It's a must. You will be inspired and it's amazing. Please join me next week when I talk with Florence Akara, Managing Director of Femme International. This NGO in East Africa is helping to break the barriers and stigma people face as a result of menstruation, building a world where no one is limited by their body's natural cycle. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at millie.ca.